We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. In 2003, Nike signed 13-year-old Freddie Adu to a seven-figure contract. But Freddie didn't live up to the hype. He has turned down every single documentary project looking closely at the details of his career. Until now. People are going to look at everything you did because of the hype surrounding your arrival and what they think you can be. I'm Grant Wall, and this is American Prodigy, Freddie Adu, from Blue Wire Podcasts. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Report, a Rotoviz radio news show covering the serious and mocking the ridiculous NFL news of the last week. I'm Blair Andrews with my co-host Hassan Rahim. Hassan, how's it going? Uh, you know, Blair, it's uh, the start of Thanksgiving week, so I'm pretty excited about that. Uh, you know, had a had a pretty okay week, I would say, from season long. We're getting to the playoff crunch here. What about yourself? How you do? Yeah, doing well. Uh, it looks like we are probably going to make the playoffs in the main event that Sean and I are doing. So that's definitely uh, something to be thankful about there. Although um, we, we need to fade still a big game from Josh Reynolds. So don't want to get too ahead of myself. But things are looking good mostly. Um, yeah, we don't have a guest tonight. So let's just hop right into the first news item. Uh, it's a big one. Joe Burrow unfortunately tore his ACL against the Washington football team and his promising rookie season comes to an end. So what are your expe- expectations for uh, this offense once Ryan Finley takes over? Oh, man. It, this is actually a real bummer. Burrow was one of the more fun, I mean, you know, rookie quarterbacks in a long time. Uh, this class has been, you know, really good at the very least from a rookie perspective, I think. Losing Barrow is a bit of a bummer because he really kind of was the offense. Uh, I mean, the engine that made this offense run. 
Uh, yeah, obviously because he's the quarterback, right? But he's I don't know. The guy was making like you know ridiculous plays to Boyd and Green and Higgins, and you know it was it was great. It was great fun. So you know we miss him. Hopefully he's healthy for the start of next season. But uh, who knows if this is going to be one of those. Um, you know, Carson Wentz asked kind of injuries where like it takes him more than a, you know, the entire se- more than the season to like really kind of get right. That said, uh, Ryan Finley was, oh my God, we've already done this once before. <laughs> and the idea of doing this again is really not that great. Um, I'm actually going to go pull up the AYA app. Uh, I am actually curious to see who he has the um, best connection with. Mm-hmm. So, because uh, I am just curious. I mean, they were like he was a starter for a fairly, I want to say, a fairly large swath of time last year, where they just mysteriously benched Dalton to see what they had in Ryan Finley and the answer was someone not very right. good. <laughs> um, let's see. He had, yep, three starts. Um, that's definitely shorter than I thought, but also way more time than I thought he should have, uh, they should have evaluated, even bothered trying to evaluate him. Um, just taking a look at his AYA here. He doesn't have enough targets for anyone. So the, App is erroring out. Looks like he has the best connection with Tyler Boyd. Um, now this is because, you know, I mean, AJ Green didn't play at all last season. There was no T. Higgins, mm-hmm. and his next best is Joe Mixon. Seems like he peppered Auden Date about 15 times. Um, so, yeah, the the uh, Ryan Finley experience is going to be very, very sad and honestly kind of pathetic uh, for any Bengals players returning value. What are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I agree. We didn't get to see a lot of Finley today, but uh, I mean, he was, he threw 10 passes, only completed three of them and threw one interception. So it was not, not a good outing, even in the short time he was on the field. Um, yeah, I don't, I didn't see the game. Actually, so I don't know how, you know, how he was spreading those targets around, but I think this has got to be a downgrade for, for everyone in the offense. Um, you know, particularly puts a little bit of a, little bit of a damper on what was going to, what was looking like a breakout season from Higgins. Uh, you know, he did not look good today, unfortunately, although I don't know how much of that was due to Finley, but, um, yeah, I'm curious. You know, Burrow has looked good. He's kind of been up and down, but this is obviously a devastating injury. And, um, you know, on the other hand, Justin Herbert looked really good today. Uh, does the injury and the performance today, I mean, how does that alter how you're viewing these guys in Dynasty? Uh, the Bengals? Um, specifically Burrow in, in relation to Herbert. Yeah, I mean, I think at this point you kind of want Herbert. Uh, I mean, I mean, he kind of carved up the Jets earlier today. <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, it's no, no mean feat, but I mean, I don't know. Herbert's just making plays, man. I don't know what to say. Like, he's really making plays. Um, like he probably should be considered the QB one in this class. Um, I think. 
I I mean, he's ridiculously good, right? Like at this point, I think, and we're going to talk about him later, but uh, you'd have to be a little bit concerned as if, if you were um, bigger on Tua or wildly overpaid for Tua. Um, mm. You know, I mean, like I think I'd rather have Herbert than Burrow, especially because we just don't know what's going to become. I mean, he hopefully should be fine. Modern science is a miracle. But, I mean, even, you know, when you factor in age difference and, and everything else, I think I'd much rather have Herbert at this point, right? Like, you just have to have Herbert above Barrow. Uh, even if it's a mini tier, I think that that's the way to do it. What about yourself? Yeah. No, I agree. I'm actually, I just pulled up the road of his rankings to see where where we were. Uh, all of our our rankings actually do have Herbert above Burrow in Dynasty. And it looks like the only... It's me, Curtis, and Dave are the three people whose ratings are being, whose rankings are being uh, averaged in here. And Curtis and Dave both have Herbert and Burrow on the same, you know, at the same level. And then I'm a tiny bit higher on Herbert even before this. So, yeah, I mean, I agree. I think Herbert is looking like the the QB to own from this class, um, you know, and. The injury definitely doesn't help Burrow's case, and you are obviously concerned about that. But I think even before that, we will probably, I think the way Herbert played was even more impressive than what Burrow had done. So, yeah, I agree. Um, the other person I'm kind of curious we mentioned is T. Higgins and how this injury impacts his dynasty value. Um, would you be moving him down a lot? I mean, assuming he's going to you know, take a step back this season, is this a, a long-term concern for you, for Higgins? No, not really. I think uh, once AJ Green hits the free agency, it's going to be you know him and Boyd, mm-hmm. and and that should be a pretty good one-two punch. Just, you mean, and this is assuming the Bengals don't go out and immediately draft like another one of these stud wide receivers early. Um, you know, so all that said, I am definitely interested. I think the way I, I'm treating Higgins here is. You really want to, I think if you're a contender and you're holding Higgins, like I think the way to really kind of maximize, uh, or at least insulate yourself from any, you know, value reduction if you want to is by moving him now. If his value should still be the same, even despite mm-hmm. this one blip, he's done enough to suggest that he is for real. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, I think, I think, uh, Higgins' value is fairly high. Uh, so I don't know where I'd have him cause I haven't done, you know, ranks as of yet, but he's, he's someone that rebuilding teams should be looking at moving and to trying to obtain, you know, like, uh, move, move, move your own assets. But I think part of that is like caution should be advised there because it's very difficult to move, um, these productive veterans, uh, for, uh, any, you know, real youth. I mean, just ask me. I've been trying to move <laughs> Marvin Jones, who's been, you know, pretty much the go-to guy on Detroit without without Galladay there. And no one will give me even these later garbage picks. It's like, it's actually kind of tilting, especially when you see these teams running out and, and just eating zeros at wide receivers. They'd rather eat a zero than like trade uh, a late third or early fourth. And it's like almost kind of, pathetic because these are quote-unquote contenders i guess um 
I guess I play with a couple. I guess I play. I must be playing with a bunch of fish or something. <laughs> well, your your problem is probably owning Marvin Jones at all in 2020. So I don't know who's the fish. Yeah, I know, and I think I, I think I got him in a like I got him just because he was so undervalued in the startups, and I was like, oh, I can't wait. People love talking about Marvin Jones, and I couldn't sell them, so it's like, oh my god. And the other the other veteran that I know people hate, um, like trying to like they just don't like if you try and sell them is Adam Thielen. Yeah, people love talking about him, but nobody actually wants him on their team. Oh, I mean, guys, I mean, a friend of the show, Rich Freebar, offered me. In in the in a, in a league that we play in, the one that when that you won uh, the Rotoviz Dynasty Contract League, he yeah. offered me Hunt for Thielen straight up uh, before the season started. I think just Thielen's contract is a little bit better than Hunt because I don't lose him in free agency and I won't have to overpay for Hunt. Uh, but it was definitely a strong offer, I thought from from Rich. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you're not going to get you know just the part prime value but i do think that there are ways to acquire uh, acquire higgins you want to bring up the the trade that sean offered you um yeah well sean and i actually i i went ahead and accepted because i needed dalton this week so it was it uh i could have started pj walker it turns out but yeah sean traded me dj Moore and debo samuel for higgins and Ayuk. oh and he also sent me Dalton in a super flex league on a, you know, I am a QB needy team. He did it kind of to get out of having too many guys with a week 13 buy because, uh, you know, more and the Panthers have week mm-hmm. 13 buy. So that was like his motivation for wanting to move DJ Moore. And I mean, you know, we're talking and we're going to talk about him soon, but I think Moore <laughs> looked pretty good with, with Walker. Uh, under center, so I'm I'm kind of pleased with this, especially. I mean, you know, obviously I'm not rooting for anyone to get injured, and I wish Burrow the you know a speedy recovery, but uh, was the right time to get out from Higgins or to get something back for for Higgins. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, uh, definitely for sure. And speaking of uh, B.J. Walker, he completed 24 of 34 passes uh, for 258 yards with a touchdown, and he had two interceptions in the Panthers' Week 11 win over the Lions. Uh, you know, Blair, it did sound like uh, Teddy Bridgewater was close to playing. Do you think the team might look to give Bridgewater some more time to recover from his knee injury, given Walker's performance today? Uh, well, I think that... Given Walker's performance, they probably should, although I don't know that they will. But, I mean, you know, not only was Walker really good, but one thing, you know, we mentioned DJ Moore had one of his best games of the season. Curtis Samuel also had a pretty good game. Um, So there's not like a step back for uh, these receivers in, uh, in this offense with Walker throwing passes, I think the big difference uh, you see is that Walker probably throws deep a lot more than Bridgewater. I didn't watch this whole game, and I'd have to go check, like, the uh, the depth of throw stuff, but, I would, you know, I think that's uh, something that is safe to assume, that Walker is looking at these guys farther downfield. So um, if Walker were to play, I think it would be good for, for these receivers at least. It might not be as good for the underneath targets like uh, 
Mike Davis or McCaffrey when he returns. But um, I, I'd i be pretty interested to see what Walker can do going forward before going back to Bridgewater. Um, although I don't know that the Panthers will think of, will think of it in that, in those terms. I don't know. What's your take on this? Yeah. Um, I didn't watch the game, but, um, it's interesting how, you know, just like box score scouting, it's interesting how clustered a lot of the targets were 11 to Moore, Mm -hmm. 10 to Samuel, nine to Anderson, two to Davis. That was it. Yeah. A lot of this, uh, was just the Lions beating themselves. I mean, we've talked a little bit about this before, but Matt Patricia's got to go. Yeah. This whole, it just <laughs> was a disaster. I mean, this team is kind of lost without Kenny Galladay anyway. But that said, I mean, the team just doesn't, like, like the Carolina Panthers have gotten boat raced by every other team they've played. Hmm. Like and, and I mean the Chicago Bears put up twenty three points on them, <laughs> right. right? Like what? Like the fact that the Lions took a donut is pathetic. I mean Stafford had like an injury sure on his thumb, but I think a lot of it. This is like a very narrative take, so I hate it and apologize to everyone. But like the team's quit, man. The team's quit. Like yeah. we we already know this historically. He's had issues with veteran players. Uh, I see um, uh, Tate uh, Golden, uh, you know the guy who he was uh, shipped off. Mm-hmm. But and like, I just think that if you're on a team that you know, like as a you know head coach and everything, he kind of fails to really inspire. At this point, what what are they playing for, right? Like they're out of the playoff race. They're really not. They're not particularly great. Um. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this loss, I would think we, there have already been reports. I'm pretty sure that, that, uh, the coaches here are kind of on the hot seat. And if not reports, at least there have been outcries from the fan base. So I would think that a loss like this is, uh, pretty motivating for, you know, whoever's in charge to, yeah, right. To to make a change, um, so yeah, we'll see. It'll be interesting if if this is the the game that does it. But I do not think that Patricia is long for Detroit. Thank God for that, man. He's just oh, it's just <laughs> it's been it's been terrible. Um, but to bring this back to Walker, I mean, you know, we had we discussed this last week with Ben Gretsch. Walker was the XFL quarterback. I mean, he looked really, really good. He was, I mean, um, I'm kind of rooting for the guy. I really want to see him. If it's not the Panthers, I do want to see him get a shot somewhere because he's good. I mean, I do think like he's got a, uh, like he's able to run an offense. You know, this isn't like a, a case where Mike Glennon, you know, kind of takes over an offense or Ryan Finley, right? Like these guys should not be on rosters really. Um, former, you know, I mean, a guy who's an XFL superstar is showing that he's capable of, you know, at least making sure that he can run the, an offense at an NFL at an NFL level. Same thing with Garrett Gilbert when he had to fill in. I mean, the Cowboys, kudos to them. They decided this Ben DiNucci character is not NFL caliber, and they gave Gilbert a shot, right? So mm. 
it's interesting checking out this, you know, these guys who are totally feasible waiver wire replacements, right? Like it's, it's almost like streaming quarterback in fantasy in real life, which is interesting mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And it's also what's more interesting to me is just how much teams invest in, in a theoretically good backup quarterback who just winds up not being worth like a dime close to their actual value because they're just really bad. Right. Like today, take Jake Luton. I mean, he had to go up against Pittsburgh. Sure. Whatever. I mean, but he, like, not, not, not only did he not look like an NFL quarterback, like the guy looked like he was pretty much Mike Lennon reincarnated. Right. And so like, that's the kind of stuff you really want to avoid. But congrats yeah. to the to the Jags. I mean, at this point, uh, one and nine, they're close to hopefully locking up Justin Fields or Trevor Lawrence, depending. So let's uh, let's roll with that, right? Like that's uh, something. I mean, it's unfortunate, you know, Gardner Minshew had to die for this. But you and I have discussed. <laughs> you and I have you and I have discussed sort of the semi charmed life that Minshew's Minshew, Minshew's led as an as an NFL starter. It's just a bit of a bummer because he's such a fun character. Yeah, yeah. Minshew would be interesting on Carolina if Walker doesn't work out, but um <laughs> the the uh I mean, yeah, that's you know, you always kind of thought that Bridgewater was kind of just a placeholder in Carolina. And now they're what, four and seven. Um so you would think that they would at least wanna take a long look out at Walker because you know, Bridgewater is definitely not the future. And probably Walker isn't either, but you never know, I guess. Um you could get you could get a guy like this to come out of nowhere. Yeah. I mean Kinda like only... Minshew did, but hopefully hopefully a little bit more staying power. The only issue there though is that Teddy is locked up uh next year and he's got like an eighteen mm. like an eighteen million hit against the cap. Right. They have a potential out after next year. So, uh, and then they can take that five mil hit. So I guess, I mean, we should probably expect. I, I guess what I'm saying is I should, we should expect that the Panthers take the conservative route mm-hmm. and possibly try and get Teddy to sit just to assure him it's his job. And yeah. let Walker go. I mean, cause at the very least, if nothing else, They've got a trade chip, and they're trying to evaluate whether or not he's a viable backup quarterback. Uh, if yeah. in the event that they want to try and make a playoff run, if nothing else, they could also try and you know market him as a potential trade candidate next in the offseason or something. So, right. I think that that's hopeful. I am kind of interested to see see them give Walker one more week um, because it would be nice to get him uh, against. Uh, this Vikings pass defense that was <laughs> exposed by Andy Dalton. Yeah. Right. So I was thinking as we're discussing Ryan Finley, man, what they wouldn't give to have Dalton back, but I forgot he's playing the Vikings. Yeah, but they had to sit him if they wanted to tank for they had a tank for Barrow yeah, right. and now the the right. outcome just <laughs> is pretty poor, right? Yeah. They got what they wanted, and it's just kind of unfortunate. And this makes it the second quarterback that the Washington football team has destroyed. Uh, once was the aforementioned Dalton, and now the poor, poor borrows out for the season. Uh, just a just a shame. A really a shame. 
Yeah, yeah. All right, before we get into our game, let's take a moment to hear a word from our sponsors. What's up, listeners? This is Curtis Patrick. I just wanted to stop by and say thank you for supporting Rotoviz Radio. You are the absolute best audience in the business, and I know it. As a special thank you, I'm offering 10% off your next Rotoviz subscription. Just use code 2020RVRADIO at checkout. That's right. Go to rotoviz.com, click subscribe, and enter code 2020RVRADIO at checkout for 10% off. You can even extend your subscription. Oh, and one more thing. If you haven't ever done it, please rate and review the podcast you're listening to right now on Apple Podcasts. It's really easy. It only takes like 10, 15 seconds. Just do it. We'd love to hear your feedback. Now, back to the show. And today we are playing Fantasy Believe It or Not. Uh, so first item, Jonathan Taylor rushed 22 times for 90 yards and a touchdown and caught four of four passes for 24 yards in the Colts Week 11 win over the Packers. Um, man, I, I, I really want this to be Believe It and... Um... Yeah, I'm just going to go with Believe It. Uh, we, I was really <laughs> bad-mouthing um, Jonathan Taylor in our pre- and post-show with Ben Gretsch last week. Just, uh, I was <laughs> so frustrated with this guy. Uh, overdrafted him everywhere, realistically. And um, the guys, you know, he was... He really, well, I, I, I was going to say he was he was looking like current day Melvin Gordon, but worse. And I guess if you look at Melvin Gordon's current, like his stat line from today, that still holds true in a sense because Melvin Gordon went absolutely bonkers. He had 15 carries for 84 yards and two TDs. Right. So I guess in a sense, it's still kind of the same. (laughs) (laughs) But but no, this was actually good to see. Um, I'm on record as stating that I think Melvin Gordon's a lot better than most people want to give him credit for. And... I think that it would be a fine outcome for Jonathan Taylor, at the very least when Melvin Gordon, when fully healthy, you know, and playing on a on a decent offense, looks, you know, he was pretty much on a point-per-game basis, the same as Todd Gurley during his nuclear season. So that kind of upside, sure, signed me right up. Um, I do think this is the kind of game where I'm hopeful to see more from him next week and, you know, going forward. Because I think for startups, a lot of people are going to point to this game as an outlier for why they should be selecting him in the first, selecting Taylor in the first round. But realistically, for me, if I want to select, if I'm looking at just selecting Taylor in the first round, it's going to take him a lot to really supplant some of the rookie running backs. And that includes, uh, James Robinson. But, you know, so I guess it, it, this is more so for my own personal dynasty board, um, by that putting it together for like off season drafts, which is still a ways away, but you know, the year is kind of flying. Yeah, that's true. So where do you expect Taylor to go in redraft next year? First round. Yeah, you think? Yeah, yeah, I just, I mean, and first sec, first end of the first, early second. Um, We've seen this happen time and time again, right? And I think we're going to see Swift go in that range. We're going to see, maybe see, probably CEH maybe go. I mean, there's going to be a lot of these guys you're not going to see much value deflation on. So I do think that that's, like, the only guy who might really be deflated would be Akers, I think. And even then, he might be, like, a fourth rounder. Uh, I do think Taylor, if he finishes the season off strong, will be at the one-two turn, maybe, you know, early second or mid-second at the latest. Like, I yeah. think that that's where he's yeah. going to open. 
I mean, if the season ended now, given what he's done, uh, first round seems pretty rich. I mean, you're looking at him. I think the Melvin Gordon comparison is apt just because Gordon wasn't that good in his rookie season. And then obviously had a breakout year in his sophomore year when he was, you know, going a lot later. And I don't think Taylor, he has a lot more hype. Yeah. He had a lot more hype coming in. So he's not going to be a, like a value or anything, but man. That's the thing, right? Cause Melvin Gordon that year was an eighth round pick. Right. And right. I think, I think the way we play fantasy has changed a lot since then. Uh, and people are always kind of, they, they're overcommitting to running back, you know? They're overcommitting because they missed on Kamara the one time. And, you know, they're not going to sit down and be like, oh, we missed on James Robinson. It's just going to be like, we just got to draft more running backs. Um, <laughs> or at least that's the way my timeline ends up distilling a lot of this stuff down, right? And so I do think sure. they're going to try and get out ahead of the of the breakout. And I think that this is going to happen. Yeah. Demir Bird got six of seven targets for 132 yards and a touchdown in the Patriots' week 11 loss to the Texans. Uh, I mean, if we're saying believe it means a top 24 finish for wide receivers, then I don't believe that Bird will finish there. Um, but, I mean, this is the sort of game he has been having, like, once a season, twice a season, so... Yeah, sure, he'll have these kind of games, but I mean, good luck knowing when when they're going to happen. I think everyone was probably starting Jacoby Myers today, so uh, yeah, I don't believe this. Yeah, um, I mean, like the Panthers, I mean the the Patriots. Sorry, they were forced to play pace up. They typically tend to pay play at a much slower pace. Um, I'll be interested to see. What happens, I do like Damir Bird as like a real late end of bench stash and like deep dynasty best ball leagues or even like deep best ball leagues. So he mm-hmm. he's been fine there. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He might finish as a wide receiver 36. But like, again, who cares about that? Because his actual point per game <laughs> output is not all that great, right? Yeah. Are you uh, Are you done with Jacoby Myers or is he still interesting? He's someone who a couple of weeks ago was was looking really strong in in some of the metrics I like to look at expected points and market share of expected points so kind of uh predicting more good games from him but obviously it didn't happen this week what do you think of him yeah this was the week where he was pretty hyped up I guess from a DFS perspective and you know he'd be getting a lot of the targets so obviously when he's you know turning towards shock he's when he busts right and, um <laughs> I'm kind of optimistic that he might rebound a little bit. So let's see let's see how they do it. Um at least how mm-hmm. he does it. I am interested in Jacoby Myers, at least for the rest of the season. I don't own him in a, on any season long teams. He just wouldn't crack any of my lineups or in Dynasty, but uh, DFS, yeah. yeah, I might go back to the wild. Nikhil Harry also had eight targets. Does he become interesting again to you or is he already dead to you? Oh yeah, um, like like not AJ Brown. Ah. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, five for forty-one. That's not bad. I, you know, I mean, uh, let's just see what happens. I've got him on Dynasty. He's definitely interesting in Dynasty for sure. me, not not in redraft, right? And um, sure. 
I don't think his value is ever going to like bounce back or anything, but he'd definitely be good. Uh, Harry's going to just go down as one of the guys who you're never going to be able to really acquire unless you overpay. And he's not going to be one of the guys you can sell unless you're willing to just take, you know, dirt in exchange, right? Yeah. I'm interested in him. Uh, I mean, like, I just don't know where the scouting stuff went wrong, but I guess maybe uh, the, you know, there has to be, uh, maybe there must have been something we're missing or injuries. I have no idea. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, one thing I'm telling myself on teams where I own him, if I'm kind of thinking about what what I'm going to do with him, is that, you know, we were we were thinking about him as a possible DJ Chark kind of player in year two who uh, does nothing in his rookie season and then comes out of nowhere in year two. But if you think about it, he missed like 12 games of his rookie season, I want to say. So it's almost like this is his rookie season and he's doing no, almost nothing. Well, not almost nothing, but he's not good. So maybe there's still a chance for him to have a kind of pseudo year two breakout in 2021. Yeah, I- I don't know. I'm kind of, I'm hopeful too, because he did, I mean, he did make some like big plays, but again, this is just like the dynasty optimist in us talking, right? Like that's, that's why we play. This is why we play dynasty really. Like he's just rooting for guys <laughs> like this, right? It's like, uh, what Matt Friedman say, says on the, on the road of his flagship pods, like he's always optimistic for the rookies and the young guys. And, and I think you and I are off the same mindset as well as are pretty much everyone here at road of his, I believe. It's true. It's true. You just have to know when these young guys turn into old guys, which is sometimes hard if they were your favorite. Adam Thielen caught four of seven targets for 43 yards and two touchdowns in the Vikings week 10 win over the bears. Uh, that can't be right. Yeah. Talk about an old guy, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, this is, a t- <laughs> this actually felt like it was coming. Right. So it just felt, I mean, it just felt, felt like this was going to happen. Oh, did I say Vikings is week 10? Oh, well, there's a typo. They they lost in week 11 <laughs> that's right. to the Cowboys. Hey, hey. Right. Um, and I read it out like an idiot. Okay. Actually, Adam Thielen had eight catches on 11 targets for 123 yards and two touchdowns in the Vikings week 11 loss to the Cowboys. Do you believe that one? Yes. I do. <laughs> he, I mean, I mean, this felt like it was coming. He was a fairly popular play in DFS today. Uh, uh, you know, I, I also proactively benched him in a bunch of places and I never bothered to put him back in. It was going to happen, right? Like I was, you know, I'm like, uh, in a bunch of places where I needed him, uh, I benched him, you know, it's places where I'm trying to make a push for the, to get a first round buy. So obviously I do this, right? This was going to happen. I should, I should have told everyone, sorry for that. But I mean, hmm. I, like this is, this has been his actually, actually this has been his best game of the season, right? Like against, against whatever or whoever the, the Dallas Cowboys have on defense. Yeah. This is his best game of the season. He came kind of close to it back with Houston, but he's kind of, you know, he's been, he's had a handful of these blow up games, but he's mostly been uh, a victim of, this offense, right? Like it's just low flow, mm-hmm. want to run the football offense. I mean, even though, you know, Thielen like got fed, right? 11 targets. That's yeah. like double that of Jefferson and Cook. Cook still saw 27 carries. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, this offense is interesting. I mean, like 
they have to put up points, but still they give almost 30 carries to Cook. Still, you can have a game where Thielen has 123 yards and Jefferson has 86. Um, On you know, the obviously, and, yeah, right. And Cook does That's well right, as only well five as targets. Receiver. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I mean, you know, we liked targeting this offense sometimes in DFS last year when they had Diggs and Thielen. And maybe Jefferson Thielen is turning into the same thing, but obviously in games where they don't have to score 28 points, that might not be as attractive. So We just don't yeah, know those games of, ahead of time, right? Like, right. Like everything. Who would have thought Andy Dalton would put it, would score three touchdowns? Right. And Tony Pollard had that one long one. Right. It's just, it's just, yeah. you just don't know because the Vikings really don't like playing football in the year of our Lord 2020. <laughs> like they, like they want to play, play it in the year of our Lord 1920. Yeah. And it really, like, I think the, like the fantasy value for these receivers comes down to which Kirk Cousins shows up on the day. It's crazy, right? Yeah. Where do you have Jefferson ranked in Dynasty? Pretty high. Pretty high. I I currently have him as my wide receiver three overall. Is that too high? Uh, it feels high, but probably not. <laughs> it's a little crazy, I think. It's just it. it Although does. he did have eighty six yards today on only five targets, so. So I, yeah, yeah, he was good, and so was I mean Lamb was good too, right? Kind of like the future right. here battling. That's true. I might have to update, move Lamb up a bit. Yeah, and then I mean, that's like the, that's an interesting you know philosophy question. It comes down to how you build, but yeah, that's a good question. Uh, yeah, you have them both solidly over Higgins, or not really? Is it kind of like a mini tier thing? Like what's going on there? They're both. I would say they're both in a tier, and then Higgins is a tier below. Okay. Wow, we just are just gonna straight up gloss over Judy, right? Like, I mean, like the off season was full of. Rugs versus Judy, like, like yeah. debates, and it's just like, well, probably right. either. Yeah, Rugs and Judy, I guess, are in a tier even below Higgins, maybe. But I would, yeah, I would I think so. I would think yeah. so, and I think there's a lot to be said for this entire. They played on the same teams, so they you know, vulture production from each other. It feels like that kind of only works for Ohio State. I don't know, mm-hmm. but it's hard. It's hard to tell because Judy has. Um, no lock under center and and right. but like I think Ruggs failing to beat out Aguilar or uh, Zay Jones for deep targets is pretty concerning. Mm, yeah. I, you know, and Judy, you know, not really. Who knows what it's going to be like with with Sutton and and you know Fant and you know it's, it's just I, I don't know. I mean, I, I like. Like just to take a shot at like ourselves and di- like and Dynasty Twitter is just like um, it's interesting to seeing the kind of arguments these guys get into or the discussions that like just by like you know we're most of the way through the season and it's just no one's brought up the fact that like that was not even worth a talking point <laughs> you know like like I think I just think that that's Something to say. Well, I, I should I should rephrase. Jerry Judy is failing to beat out Tim Patrick. All right, so I mean, maybe we should really recalibrate expectations downwards for these guys. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's so hard to tell in this in this Denver offense. I think Judy could still be good. Uh, yeah, but what's I probably, good? I think right? he probably still will be good. But but what's yeah, good? No. Um, yeah, it's a good question. 
would you rather have would you rather have Jerry Judy or Stefan Diggs? Diggs, of course. Right. And where do you have Diggs ranked as your in Dynasty? Um he's my sorry, let me just pull it up. Diggs is my wide receiver seven. Oh, well, that's that's aggressive. I thought you'd be lower. Oh, right, Christian Kirk, <laughs> Christian Kirk or Jerry Judy? I think Judy. Okay. Yeah, I'd have Judy over Kirk. Okay, yeah, yeah, because I'm I'm definitely lower on Kirk as well. I'm trying to think, Will Fuller or Jerry Judy? Uh, probably Judy. Interesting. Okay, I might have Fuller, but I'm just I might just be completely blind there. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, you know, I'm I'm always way aggressive on these on these rookies. I think I have Judy as my wide receiver wide receiver 20 overall. That feels right. Yeah. That really feels, I, I have him and Sutton basically at the same point. Oh, I yeah, I think I might have Sutton higher. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's I'd have so to hard move to tell. down, and then once we get this incoming new rookie crop, and depending on where they land, it could shake things up again too, right? So, right. J.K. Dobbins rushed 15 times for 70 yards and a touchdown, and the Ravens' is week 11 loss to the Titans, and he added uh, two receptions for 15 additional yards. I don't know if that's right. Let me check. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all. You know, I watched this game and I'm not even sure if that's right. But uh, whatever the case is, I think I believe it. I don't know how far Dobbins is from uh, from what running back 24, but I think he could probably get there. I mean, Mark Ingram was active in this game and had only two carries. Um, Justice Hill played a little bit. Gus Edwards was active. He had only three carries, so... Uh, you know, this is like the week we might look back on and say, this is when J.K. Dobbins took over and became the clear running back one in Baltimore. And that's a role that we know is pretty valuable. Um, so yeah, I, I definitely believe this. Yeah. Uh, and just to back up, the blurb was correct. He did only have the two catches for 15 yards, which is nice because he had, he dropped that howling sitter in the rain. Um, on national TV not too long ago, uh, to right. lose, to I mean, basically lose the game here. Yeah, this was kind of what we were talking about with Ben, uh, post, post show, which no one probably heard is just what are they doing <laughs> with Dobbins, right? Um, I'll be, I'll be like straight up. I, I have probably zero interest in trading for him. Uh, it's not going to happen. Trading Sorry. for him. Yeah. Like it's not going to happen in Dynasty. Like I just, it should not, like, it was you it's mean, concerning that he took, you don't want to acquire him at all. Nah. Yeah. It's not gonna it's not gonna happen. He's gonna be a first round startup pick. I'm just gonna completely complete like full fit. Don't care. I see. Yeah. Just yeah, not, can see not gonna if, happen. Yeah, for sure. If he keeps up at this rate over the last half of the season, you definitely see him being in that kind of Miles Sanders late first uh yeah uh, tier. Miles Sanders' stock should be falling. And I think that, like, he's just going to be replaced <laughs> by J.K. Dobbins, right? And Dobbins really, I mean, I feel like it says quite a bit that it took until week 11 to give him the workload. On the flip side, it's great to see them just decide to 
give up on Edwards and Ingram and really just kind of use them as rotational guys and and, and yeah. use Dobbins, right? So like that's that's tremendous. From a dynasty perspective, yeah. I have no interest. He's going to go into zones where I really just don't care about his inability to win the rollout right earlier and even show flashes earlier despite unlimited work. Uh, it just means he's not a, a type of player I want. If you're a Dobbins fan, keep him. The dynasty is all about having fun. For redraft, this is very exciting. I have a I have a lot of Dobbins. I was trying to kind of split him and Swift and Acres in that range. Once Acres mm-hmm. got a little bit too expensive, he was completely off my board. And same with Dobbins. Uh, Swift was the cheapest of the, of the four. But yeah, I mean, this is great. This is great news. I and I'm hopeful that like he can finish in that. You know, uh, yeah, as a as a as an RB two, it's going to be really helpful for my best ball teams. For sure. And, and I think you make a good point about his dynasty value because as we saw, like even in this game, which was a good game for him, he only had two catches. And as long as Lamar Jackson is the quarterback, I don't think there's much chance of that changing just because he throws to his running back so infrequently and instead, you know, runs. So Dobbins does not have the kind of role that will get him into the Camaro McCaffrey tier. Like that just won't happen. So um Well even the Swift tier. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So yeah, I think you're completely right to be to be off him at what is likely to be his dynasty startup price. Maybe because I mean I think, you know, a lot of dynasty players recognize that he doesn't have that role. So he might not get quite to Sanders level um if he keeps playing like this. But Definitely second round. Yeah, I think I think he's going to go in the first because Ingram and Edwards are probably not going to be back on the team after the season's over. Mm. Yeah, and they're going to yeah. be like, and then you can just hear it now, right? There's no one behind him on the depth chart, and then like he's going to go with like fifth <laughs> overall, and people are going to be like freaking out when he's putting up like nine points a game. Yeah, well, it'll be uh, good for good for zero RB teams as always. And I had a question for you. You said you watched this game? Uh, I, yeah, most of it. Uh, so what is the story here with this Marquise Brown dwindling target share? Have, has, have they just decided like he really is like a, like a, just not worth it? <laughs> like what's going on? <laughs> I, I have no idea. I mean, this has been going on for a while. I mean, obviously they're not, they're not happy with like the wide receiver core. Otherwise, why bring in Des Bryant, right? Who actually got, got quite a few targets today. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, really Willie Sneed, Sneed seven, with seven man. targets. <laughs> I don't, I don't know what to make of it. You know, you deserve to lose the game when you're throwing a Willie Sneed seven times. Hey, hey, they, they at least recognized Mark Andrews exists. That's right. Yes, he finally had a good game, which was nice for a lot of my teams. Yeah, I think I think like this game is the game where we can look at look back and see, um, you know, Baltimore deciding that they had to get serious a little bit against Titans because you know, I mean they got beaten by mm-hmm. the Titans in the playoffs. It, mm-hmm. it, it's clear they kind of uh, minimized a lot of you know I mean I mean they they're, they're clearly minimizing guys who. Just, I don't know, ancillary, ancillary role pieces. But at the same time, yeah. it's, it's interesting because, um, 
this offense kind of sucks. Like, it, there's no other way around <laughs> it, right? Like, they, like they're one of the, like, right. after being one of the best offenses in the leagues, in the league, they're one of the, like, the worst. Um, right. It's kind of concerning that the defense also crumbled and, and let Tennessee back in and win. Um, yeah. Like, this is the second time we've seen Tennessee, you know, beat Baltimore. It was a close fought game. Uh, clearly, I went into overtime. It's just uh, Lamar. I'm still a big fan of. I believe he's good. I he might be hobbled. But he I know he picked up an injury early in the year, but man, this is a, a wide receiver core that was really uh, kind of pinning his hopes on Andrews and Marquise Brown, and then they opted to take J.K. Dobbins instead of any wide receivers, and that's it's. I think it's been a bit of a mistake. Well, in in hindsight, mm-hmm. right. But even at the time, I mean, at the time, it was like all the pub like Dobbins got was interesting and exciting, but it just wasn't a sustainable way to win, really. It's kind of higher variance, right? When you sure. don't have any yeah. outs. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, regression was always kind of expected for this offense, but yeah, they, it's been, it's been tough to watch a lot of weeks. Um, although speaking of which, did you see any, any of this game or any highlights? Uh, no, unfortunately not yet. Uh, I, I was watching Steelers Jacksonville, which is terrible, and also Eagles <laughs> Browns, which is also terrible. So uh, I really, really to... don't want to watch any football. <laughs> like, want to watch football again? Right. Okay. Well, you should watch uh, AJ Brown's touchdown that he had today against the Ravens. It's crazy. Yeah, I, I was actually Dragging making comments. Like five guys into the end zone. Oh I mean, wow. Yeah, we talk about like how he was so good at yards after the catch last season and he can't keep that up. And he is keeping it up this year. He's been really good at it again this year. And when you watch a play like the touchdown he had and a lot of other plays he had today, you understand why. I mean, like he's impossible to tackle. Yeah, he's uh would you say he's a grown ass man? Uh, I would say that. Yeah, I mean, I mean I think, I think, like, I fell in love with AJ Brown. Just, I mean, I wrote him up as a prospect. I, I, he went kind of late, right in the draft. I was like, oh, maybe this, he's not that great. I fell in love with him, like, on his second catch, just where he safetyed some, like, Cleveland, like, he beckons a Cleveland safety over and, like, stiff arms him into yeah. the dirt. And it's just like, oh my God, this is like your second catch as a rookie and this is what you're doing. And yeah, I mean, the guy, he's just like, he just like a Mack truck, right? Like, he's not, mm. he's not fast like DK. The dude just, yeah. I don't know, he makes plays. He'll go through defenders. It's its so cliche film grinder type analysis, but he's so, so fun to watch because yeah. he's like, he's a mix of finesse and power. Like he's, you know, and yeah, um, yeah, for sure. No, he, I mean, it was, it was fun as an AJ Brown owner and like painful as a Ravens fan to watch them miss all these tackles, but he makes a lot of guys miss. Yeah. Yeah. He's, I don't know, man, he's, he's, genuinely genuinely pretty interesting and exciting uh, uh, to watch i actually was like kind of following this on on, on gamecast and i i just mentioned to someone um that ryan danahill looks legitimately terrible targeting everyone not named aj brown right like he looks like the same guy who washed out at miami frankly <laughs> and and it's just like and like you know to some point like the wide receiver really helps the um helps the quarterback and it comes up uh, in our next blurb here 
Indeed, Matt Ryan completed 19 of 37 passes for 232 yards and two interceptions in Atlanta's 24-9 Week 11 loss to the Saints. Yeah, and this is because Julio Jones missed two and a half quarters. Yeah. And, I mean, Calvin Ridley is very good, but what makes this offense tick is both those guys, right? Like, they're, like they're, like they're working down. I mean, Julio is still somehow at the top of his game. And, uh, I mean, maybe not like the, you know, peak physical perfection or what have you, but he's still tremendous. And the second, you know, he's forced to miss time with a hammy, you got Russell Gage. No one respects like, guys like Gage. Like he, he puts up decent fantasy stats and everything, but it's just because like no one really respects these like under undersized, slow kind of like I don't know slot only type players, right? And it's just it's just mm-hmm. um uh and, and it comes out in the quarterback's final stats, right? Like um yeah like. The fact that we're not like this is probably like so like in as far as Matt Ryan goes, yeah, I believe it, right? Like I don't, I think he's gonna fall out of the QB one tier without Julio. Like this is just what he's gonna put up. It's gonna be like bottom end QB two numbers, especially now that we've got a bunch of mobile quarterbacks in the league, right? And so mm. it'll be interesting. I mean, like the Falcon, the Falcons might be pretty close to shutting it all down anyway. Like they're three and seven, right? Right. Like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it, I think uh, you can definitely see how not having Julio hurts sort of the offense as a whole and Ryan in particular. But I thought it was encouraging that Ridley still had a pretty good game, even though this offense was bad. Like, he still had 90 yards on nine targets. So, um, yeah, um, that at least is something that is encouraging. You know, I don't know. <laughs> they only scored nine points. New Orleans, I think, is a pretty tough defense. Um, maybe, maybe this was just a down game, and we can expect a little bit better, even if Julio has to miss some time. So I'm not, I'm not totally giving up on this offense just yet. And you know, seeing Ridley still have a good game, seeing Gage be decent. Uh, he wasn't great, but he was fine. You know, so. Um, I'm I'm not I'm not uh I'm not panicking just yet. No, I'm not I'm not panicking either, but I do think that um you could have got more upside off waivers, right? You could have got more upside off if you'd like been a little bit more oh, aggressive sure. on like Herbert or something, right? You could have got the the guy who is our uh item number 3 quarterback slash tight end. Taysom Hill completed 18 of 23 passes for 233 yards, rushing 10 times for 51 yards and two touchdowns in New Orleans' 24-9 Week 11 domination over the Falcons. So, you know, the team did not really utilize Hill as a gadget player like he's been used the whole season. He was, you know, asked to drop back and read coverages like Drew Brees. So what are your thoughts on this offense with Hill under center? Yeah, this was this was really... Uh... Honestly, I'm shook. Um, like, like, I, like, I'm, like, I'm legitimately shook. Like the whole, the whole week, people were like, "It's gonna be Jameis, right? Like, why won't it be Jameis?" And 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 like Dayton's out. I mean, we were making fun of this last week, you know. Yeah. And and you know, we were, we were making jokes about this, sort of like 
you know, Hill, like, what is going on? Like, this, like, like, this is not serious, right? And just laughing about it. And even when the report came out about like Peyton being like, saying that I'm going to commit to him, we're really trying him out. We really paid him this money because we believe in him as a backup. <laughs> I'm right. shook. I, I have no idea what to say because like he, like he didn't have really any design runs. This was not, mm. they didn't want to recreate those like horrific part, like, like the horror show that was a Denver offense run by Tim Tebow. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, like, and you know what? Kudos to Hill because he just force fed his best wide receiver, Michael Thomas, you know, who yep. got, who got nine of his 12 targets and I put up a hundred yards. Like, like, you know, he completed, he completed four passes that are pretty long distance to Emmanuel Sanders. Despite Jameis Winston being there and despite Jameis mm-hmm. Winston having LASIK. Yeah. Right. You know what? This just means LASIK stock down for me. I mean, I don't know about you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Yeah. My wife had LASIK and she still has to sometimes use reading glasses. So Aha! There you go. Aha! The plot thickens. But, there you go. But I mean, like, um, this was frightening, right? Like, the fact that, like, I mean, the fact that he vultured Camara really, really was not great. Like, twice, right? Like, that really hurt. But they really mm-hmm. aren't designing these, like, run plays for him. He's re- they're really expecting him to be a statuesque pocket quarterback. Right. Well, I don't know about that. But, I mean, yeah. Am I shook? I mean, I definitely didn't expect this. I definitely expected this to be sort of a strange-looking offense with with Hill under center. Although, I mean, you know, I back when Jamal Williams was coming into the league, I wrote him up for Rotoviz and was kind of investigating BYU's offense at the time when Taysom Hill was the quarterback there. And, like, he had about uh, 1,200 rushing yards maybe his final season. I can't even remember. I could look this up, obviously. But, uh, but he was like a legit quarterback. I mean, you know, he wasn't just a gadget player at BYU, obviously. He's, he's doing real quarterback things. So, I mean, that's kind of the, how I first encountered Taysom Hill. So, in the back of my mind, I always knew that he was, you know, they probably understood him to be a quarterback first and just, used him the way they did because they had Drew Brees. So I don't know if it should be all that surprising. But, yeah, it's definitely definitely not the way that I think anybody expected uh, this offense to look with Hill as the starter. I even saw some tweets, I think, that this was just... Uh, you know, New Orleans was was sandbagging. Basically, they were they were gonna name Hill the starter and not have Winston yeah. practice at all, and then Winston was gonna come in and play every other snap anyway. But yeah, that's 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 what happened. That, that's what that's what was like that, that was rumored. But here's the thing, yeah. and 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 you know what? Like just to pull this back just a little bit, Atlanta, their defenses, like, most of them are on Ike. Any of the starters are on IR, <laughs> <laughs> right? That's true. But it's just, so I think it's just, you know, one of those, one of those items, like, I don't know, I'm interested and excited for the Taysom Hill experience to continue. They do have a soft schedule and our best wishes to Drew Brees and his uh, ridiculous 11 rib rib fractures. 
Ugh, my gosh. I didn't even know you had 11 ribs. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, uh, like, that's kind of, uh, you know, I, I've had 12 rib, rib, rib fractures, you know, so just saying that he's not, not that impressive. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, and here's, uh, speaking of someone who uh, was thought to be injured but not, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, he was benched in the fourth quarter of the Dolphins' week 11 game against the Broncos after completing 11 of 20 passes for 83 yards and one touchdown. Uh, Tua was horrendous, and he did nothing of note outside of a three-yard touchdown pass to Devontae Parker on Miami's opening drive of the game. Flores has reiterated that Tua remains the starter and he was benched primarily for um, performance reasons. You know, Blair, like, do you think Tua is going to bounce back next week? Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> I believe this, that that uh, he was, you know, that he's still the starter and they just didn't want to, you know, keep him in the game when he was not playing well and hope that... Uh, I don't know, taking him out would kind of change things. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why coaches do this a lot where uh, they'll they'll get a young starter out of the game if he's not playing well. I mean, I guess it makes sense to kind of change the change the frame of mind, but um it's pretty it seems like it's pretty standard for coaches to to bench these rookies if they're not playing well and only to put them back in the game the next week. So, um, yeah, long-term, I'm not too worried about Tua. I think, obviously, he's going to probably have some games like this. Um, but it's as far as I can tell, they're still committed to seeing, uh, you know, to making it work with Tua. So... Yeah, are you reading it differently? Do you think this should be like a, a major red flag? No, I just realized why they did it. Uh, why with, is that? With a win, they would have actually been in the Catbird seat ahead of the Ravens uh, for the playoffs. They could have made the playoffs. Like they, they like they could have had because like uh, oh. yeah, because currently they're tied with the Ravens uh, with the exact same record, six and four, and the Ravens own the yeah. the tiebreaker. Right, but had they been seven and three, uh, different story, right? So you think they're actually playing a win in this game? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, I mean, the thing is, Brian Flores, is well, obviously, right, <laughs> one of the few coaches off the Belichick tree who's actually intelligent. Hmm. So I mean, like, yeah. you know, it'd be really impressive if they made the playoffs with this roster i mean the, the offense is <laughs> the offense is really bad I, I do i do not think we can i don't think we can actually like overstate how bad the offense is we're gonna look back like after when they decide to load up next year and look yeah. back and say okay yeah this was uh, just i mean jakeem grant getting six targets I, like, like that's all you need to know about this. Like something called Malcolm Perry got five, right? Like it's, <laughs> it's not great, right? And then you're getting beat by the Drew Lock Broncos. Alternatively, and this is like the important part here, the game was played in Denver, which has you know historically been a very difficult place for rookie quarterbacks to play unless you're named Patrick Mahomes or Justin Herbert, apparently, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it's it's not an easy place, and adjusting to the it's 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 I mean it's it's real. Like um like the all right. the all the items that the altitude, right. altitude it's all real, right? Like um yeah. gamblers gamblers love hitting 
like the Broncos when they're like dogs at home, especially to yeah. iffy 50-50 teams like the, like the Finns. And so, yeah, it's it's hard to believe that Tua has like you know, he forgotten how to play football, right? And so, um, I'm going to be interested at least in following um what goes on here with Tua because I think the, I think his seat is a little hotter than most may think, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. Uh, for like an early first pick, to, it took Tua a while to get on the field here, and as some this, and I'm saying this as someone who's a very heavily invested in Tua in several superflex leagues where I only have Mitchell Trubisky and Ben Roethlisberger as quarterback. So, <laughs> but um, there was a report from Adam Schefter, right, and uh, from a couple of weeks ago, and he basically said that the first and second round picks the Dolphins acquired from the Texans, you know they paid a part in why they wanted to push Tua out there and start him because they might be looking at evaluating Tua as a potential, you know, um, who was that? Who was that Cardinals guy uh, who they pushed out? Um, Josh Rosen. Yeah. Him. Yeah. yeah. Like he could be Josh Rosen. Yeah. But I mean, you know, I, I, they, they're not getting, unless they're willing to really trade up for either Lawrence or Fields. I'm not sure there's another quarterback in this class who's um, off the same caliber as Tua would be, or theoretically should be, and at the same, you know, pre-injury, right. pre-injury production, right? So, so part of me thinks they might just be trying to drive up the price of those picks or have them maintain value. So, who right. knows? But you know, this is the kind of performance that like gets you a little bit worried. Um, at least, well, not. I mean, you but me personally from as a as, a, <laughs> as an investor in, in yeah Tua, right yeah well me too in a lot of leagues uh one person i own in probably too many leagues was active today matt Breida. he only had two carries for four yards ahmed had 12 carries for 43 yards i mean it's like uh you know gaskin was the guy and then he goes down so we go to ahmed he's the guy now uh Breida has no has no value. Is that how it's going to be, you know, for the rest of the season? Should I drop Brita? Yeah, it's over. <laughs> I mean, That's I mean, like, 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 this is it, right? Like, uh, you know, you, we were talking about like Brita, um, in the off season, man, that feels like a eon ago, but well, yeah, he was on San Francisco then, right? Yeah. And we we're talking about. We were talking about what that second round tender that the that the that the Niners put on him means, and it's it means nothing, like right? Um, yeah, because it's looking more and more that his one like that one season was the outlier, twenty eighteen. Yeah, um, he's just like coaches aren't willing to give him work. Uh, he I I don't know what's happened to his explosion. It's concerning. Yeah, I mean he has been hurt a lot, so. Right, and it's so it is kind of concerning. It's just it's just sad because they clearly value him as someone who they want to put in a negative script, and, right. and the explosion's gone. And so it's like, like I and I and I just couldn't tell. Is it the game? Like what was going on here? But he's been you know not able to get on the field at all. Um, I guess it's just not gonna. I, I just don't think it's gonna happen for Brita in in. In 2020, which is sad, I have I drafted so much of him in in, in best ball leagues this year. It's really real, real bummer. Um, 
at least I wasn't drafting Jordan Howard, but it doesn't matter, right? Like, <laughs> like, like if you were like, 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 I know a couple of people were actually drafting both on the assumption that you could get the running back production under a with a whiz, uh, you know, rookie quarterback under center, so that way you can lock up all the RB production in neutral, negative, and positive script. So, mm. and 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 theoretically, Brita and Jordan Howard are. Um, uh, their production is mutually exclusive from each other's, which I thought was kind of cool. To, it was a, it's a good thought, right? Mm. Uh, and I mean, you know, sitting there in April, May, cool, cool, cool <laughs> way to think through it. And, and now we're in November and almost December, and nope, it's not worth it at all. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, huge I'm bummer. Trying to think for sure. I'm trying to think whether like getting these kind of cheap running backs on teams that we don't expect to be very good or that certainly we don't expect. I mean, we know that they're not going to be, we don't have much clarity on the backfield. I wonder how many times that works out. Like if you're buying these middle round running backs on, on teams like the dolphins, I don't know. That would be interesting to investigate. I uh, yeah, uh, I I would think it works out more often than not, right? That like you want to be aiming for these ambiguous backfields, and then you want to factor in for cost. Um, right. I, mean, I, I just know a lot of people were touting, you know, Howard as an as a value at ADP in like the eighth round or whatever, and that's right. not great. And then you know, there's people like us thinking, oh, Breed has a great value in the thirteenth or whatever. <laughs> um, sure. and and I mean, hmm? you know, I'm just thinking like. Yeah, this is an ambiguous backfield, so you don't want to pay for the running back. But of course, the cost is relative. Like, you know, Howard was the most expensive guy in this backfield, and he still wasn't being drafted until the eighth round. So, I mean, is should we be looking for more guys like Miles Gaskin who are going undrafted and are just in backfields where we really have no idea what's going to happen? The issue with Miles Gaskin was that he lost, like he, despite being healthy, they played Laird over him. Well, until this season, right? Right, and it's just like <laughs> the weirdest thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and and like when you fall, and if you're using AD, like, I mean, like uh, draft position as a guide, that's a seventh round pick, right? Yeah. And like theoretically, like it didn't matter then because that's otherwise why would they bring in two running backs, right? And so it's one of those like that's where it gets hard, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I can actually see the case for why you'd want to do that at least a little bit more. It's it's tough to like. I mean, it's, it's easy to sit here and after the fact and try and like figure it out. It's really difficult when you're in the thick of things, uh, especially because you know theoretically we didn't expect the Dolphins to be that good and we expected them to be trailing quite a bit. Yeah. And then they beefed up their defense and you expected them to at least be in neutral strip for a while. So Howard made sense, but Gaskin was a little bit out of left field. Um, so I think we might, because given the craze for running backs, we do, I think, need to reevaluate how we look for, for at least sleepers or breakouts or, or something, or at least, you know, dig deeper. I have no idea what, what to do, um, in this case, right? Like, um, we've we've joked about how I kept trying to pitch the quad on James Robinson and I just didn't do a good job at it. (laughs) Right. Um, right. (laughs) But, and I hope everything's okay with Reichwell Armstead because he was, I mean, he was actually set to see the work, right? And like now because mm. of COVID, mm-hmm. he just hasn't played. He's been on COVID list all season long. Like barely yeah. been in and out of the hospital, like really struggling. Some, so some really sobering stuff on that side. 
But yeah, I think there has to be, I'm not sure how much signal we'll find, uh, but there's probably got to be ways to at least think through these backfields a little bit more robustly, I guess. Right. I mean, you know, there it's the number of drafts you do where you go deep enough to make someone like Gaskin even an option are pretty rare, but, but yeah, I don't know. It'd be interesting to look back at least kind of at other guys like Gaskin, like guys Philip Lindsay completely was one. off the radar. Well, I guess well, Lindsay, Lindsay was, uh, Lindsay was like Gaskin, but he was a rookie breakout. Yeah. So, um, you know, Gaskin Second played year. a little in his rookie year and did almost nothing. Right. Yeah. He lost a job to Laird. Right. Exactly. So if you, like, even in leagues where, like, if you do the 28 round best ball draft in FFPC, you could have taken Laird in the 28th round. And in fact, I did in a lot of leagues, but Gaskin was even farther down the list. Like, he was probably not on your radar. Yeah, he. So, I mean, a lot of these guys were undrafted, right? Um, yeah, of course. Because like, there's like a perceived safety, and at least playing people who've seen touches or something and didn't lose their sure. job. So I think maybe the the thing is you just have to be bolder about your scenarios that you're creating that late because it doesn't matter. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of the Fantasy Football Report. Please remember to rate and review the Road of His Radio channel on Apple Podcasts. For Hassan Rahim on Twitter at HRR5010, I'm Blair Andrews at Am I the Real Blair. Thanks for listening. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.